the St. Louis Blues are the Stanley Cup champions. What a team. What a ride. The Cardinals are world champs in 2011. What's up, squad? Welcome into the Lou Sports Talk podcast. Episode 6 is a go, and it is going to be a good one. We'll be talking about the Blues season as a whole, wrapping up this 2021-22 season, sad face. We'll also be getting deep into some questions that need to be answered about the Cardinals and how they can continue having the success that they've had in this recent stretch of games. As always, we'll be finishing with our National 9 talk, which is absolutely loaded this week, so you're going to want to stay tuned in for this one from start to finish. That's Brandon Big Poppy Gallegos. That's TJ Williamson. I'm Ethan Hannaford. Boys, how we doing? We're doing just fine. I'm happy to be back. Brandon, as you meant, happy to be back. Missed you, boys. Hambone did a great job. Dylan Hample did a great job uh, filling in for me. He did. And uh, a great job. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm happy to be back, you know, back from the beach and and all the the sunshine. Back in the sun. Not really. Quite a but quite a weekend you boys had on the water, isn't it? We don't need to talk yeah, about that. Would, that's a separate podcast. That, that's a different one. Yeah, different different, different episode. Broken boat, something like that. All right, we'll leave it there. We'll leave it there. All right, boys, let's go ahead and let's get into some Blues talk. The Blues fell to the Avalanche. Of course, we all know the six games in round two of the Cup playoffs, despite the epic Game Five comeback that gave us a false hope that they would maybe be able to come back. They ended up falling in Game Six after Colorado scored the game winner with. Four seconds left. Talk about just a ni- twisting a knife. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. boys. Shout, and for anyone out, listening, I mean, shout out to Ethan. He got it. He got his prediction right. That's true. I did. I wish I wouldn't have though. I, w- I would have Stan rather them Cronky still be playing. Six. Oh. Stop it. Ouch, that hurts. There's going to be plenty of time for us to break down what the Blues need to do this off season in order to prepare themselves for 2022-23 to be a season where. You know, that we are right back where we were this season, except feeling better about the opportunity to win a cup, to get back to the cup finals. For now, let's just focus on this 21-22 season, which had a lot of positive moments. What a phenomenal season it was. 109 points is, I believe, correct, Brandon? Yep. Yep. Third most, tied for third most in franchise history. A special season for the Blues. And by any means, if anyone wants to argue that the Blues, what's the word, that they fell short of expectations this year, then shame on you because it's just not true. Yes, would we have liked to see them beat Colorado, maybe still be playing? Absolutely, but... You look at the matchup there, and you have to understand that Colorado was just a better team in that. So let's go ahead and let's take a look now just at this season as a whole. I want to ask you guys this first and foremost. A lot of exciting moments mixed in. We were able to go to a couple games together this year. What would you guys label as your favorite moment of the 2021-22 season? TJ? Oh, you want me to go first? All right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I... For me, one of my favorite games this year, Tuesday, December 7th, against the Florida Panthers, Chucky Sideburns introduced. You were at the game? I was at that game. There's Florida. We win it in OT. Pavel Buchnevich. Yep. The rapper has himself a game. It was was honestly one of the the greatest roller coasters of a Tuesday night regular season game you're going to (laughs) have. Um, You know, at that point, you're you're looking at your goaltending, and you're like, "Uh uh-oh. Right, and this no-name Chucky Lindgren coming in from Montreal on a nothing deal, um, and comes in and, and puts on a show. 
against a talented President's Trophy winning team, Florida Panthers. Uh, it was one of my favorite memories of the year. I won't forget the game. Uchnevish put on a show, too. It was, it, he played like we wanted him to, and the reason we got him from New York. Well, like you mentioned, this was the, at the time, you know, Colorado and Florida, they were the best two teams all year long. Yeah, but I think Florida was the top team in the East at the time. Sure. And a banged-up Blues team finding a way to win that was in yeah. the middle of the win streak at home, yeah. remember? I think it got up to 11 at home. Uh and it was yeah so exciting. Yeah. The, I mean, I will never forget one of the best regular season games I've sure. ever gone to. A wraparound goal um, for Bucinavich in yep. overtime uh, to beat Bobrovsky, I believe, was who started yes. that yeah. game. Yeah, but Bob not... was in because um, uh, Knight had played the game Knight, before. We did right. two and two against Tampa. That's right. Two against Tampa, then two against Florida. And we went two one and one, yep. didn't we? Yep. Huge, huge show there. Uh, mid middle of the season, you yep. you don't get many stretches there of. Bigger, more important regular no. season games than you did right there for the time. So, yeah, absolutely great contender right there. TJ? Yeah, I don't even think mine is a lot of good moments on the ice. But the trade deadline for me is what switched our season around. From that point on, we were so pointed. And it was like at that point, we're like, okay, we have a goal. We know where we're going. So it was very, very uh, fun to watch the Blues from that point on. Brandon, do you want to speak for a second just to – I remember when, when that happened, we're yeah. all saying, what the heck is going on, yeah. Nick Letty? Do you want to speak as to how that completely turned around and kind of go a little bit into that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at the time, you guys saw my text. It was a second rounder, Oscar Sundquist. You had Jake Wallman going, a third rounder. I could, no, fifth rounder. Fifth rounder, Jake Wallman. I don't know. It was a draft Anyways, so, so three pieces going to Detroit for Nick Letty, a guy who, uh, in his prime, Stanley Cup champion with the Hawks back in the day. He was a Blues killer, honesty. Uh, on that team, he was the, their third-line lefty man. But he's grown over time. He's actually a late bloomer. It was a second-round pick, by the way. Yes, I was right the first time. <laughs> um, but he, he's really grown. And at the time, I'm thinking, you know, you have Sundquist, who, who was a big piece of the 2019 run. Uh, you know, a second round pick. That's a that's a tough ask. And Wallman at the time, defensively, we needed that depth because we didn't know what we had in Callie Rosen. Uh, we knew what we had in Santini, a defenseman is down in Springfield right now. We we knew what we had in those guys, but other than that, I thought we needed the depth. And it, I just didn't think Nick Letty was going to be the guy to bring that. And boy, was I wrong. What he brought from you in your own zone, our, our transitional game completely shifted. You're right, TJ. Because I mean, at the time, you know, Benner is not Benner. Uh, at the time, it's Huso's net, and Huso doesn't play the puck. So you have Letty from your own zone. He's a guy you can trust off the faceoff in your zone to exit the zone quickly, smoothly, and you're heading in on the offensive game. He he changed the style of play that we had for the Blues because um, just the way we could transition out of our zone uh, was, was totally different. It totally changed. Um, yes, maybe, you know, you, you look back on it on paper, it looked kind of you didn't know at the time, but Sunquist it has he's had two hip and, uh, surgeries. Mm-hmm. You know, he's ACL. had the knee, had the ACL too. He's not the same guy. He just isn't. Yeah, I mean, and and even looking at the stats of of Nick Letty and his time with Detroit in the 2021-22 season, a plus minus of negative 33. Now, obviously, yeah. on that Detroit team, it's going team. to be bad. Team. Yes, um, one goal, 15 assists in that time, and his 20 games with the Blues ended up having a plus three, plus minus, and then as well, only six penalty minutes. Two goals, six assists. I mean, he scored more goals in a third of the amount of games. Yeah. Uh, he had an offensive presence, yeah. and that was one of the things we talked about was uh, there was almost an an ailment at the time for the defensive side, and Nick Letty was a huge piece, as you mentioned, TJ, in that turning around. 
I'm going to go ahead and say I'll go back to the favorite moment, standout game. Uh, for me, it has it's the Winter Classic. I mean, yeah. what a cool opportunity. I was able to go this year. Um, uh, you were able was, to freeze this year. Uh, it was, <laughs> I, I tell people it was the best and worst experience yeah, of my absolutely. life. Negative 27, something like that. It was absolutely insane. But I, <laughs> but I remember, I remember sitting in a restaurant before the game, and then you start seeing stuff on Instagram of the Blues walking out wearing beachwear in negative 25-degree weather, and it's like, oh, there's no way they lose this game yep. now. No. And they came out red hot. Jordan Cairo had a winter classic or an outdoor game record four points Two goals in yep. one period. Tore tore up at that point a really depleted Minnesota team too. Mm. They were battling a lot of injuries. It felt good to kind of kind of rub it in there it for did. a second. It, it did. It felt nice. A lot of wild fans were there, but there was. I, I will say this: there was probably ten thousand Blues fans at that Winter Easy. Classic. Easily, you had. I mean, every single there was no towel bell uh, chime going off, but the fans were finding a way to do it. The towel man was there. It was an absolute blast. Coldest so, game in North American sports history. Yo, I felt it. I felt it. Coldest game. That was, once again, both the best and worst shower I ever took in my life because, like, the water was just, it felt like it burned, but at the same time, like, the burning was so good because it was so cold. It was, <laughs> it was, it was a, it was a trip. Yeah. So, and obviously, you know, the game we were able to go to just a couple of weeks ago, we were able to go to game six against the Wild once again. We had the Wild's number this we year. Did. I tell you what. Um, the, We've but, had for, have the, had their number for a while now. But the first round clincher, yeah. um, five to one final, and uh, it seemed right there that there was no one that was going to be able to stop the Blues. Unfortunately, we ran into a, a red hot Colorado team, and uh, there's a very good chance that that team wins the cup. I mean, they are just there. Yeah. They are solid. I mean, I think we can all agree that at least a cup finals appearance is, is on the way, most likely for that team. Um, so you know what? At the end of the at the at the end of the year, you look at back a lot of positive moments for this team. Um, it's tough to tough to say the goodbye to it, but there's going to be a lot of different things to break down to look into this upcoming offseason. For example, is is David Perron, is he going to take that hometown discount? Is he going to stay with the Blues, or does yeah. he go somewhere else and take what he could probably get a solid deal? Um, is is Billy Huso gone? I think we could probably, probably have a good <laughs> idea for that one already. Do they find a way to keep Nick Letty? There's always the question that's loomed, it seems like, the last few years of Matthew Kachuk. Yeah. What happens with Matthew yeah. Kachuk? Well, those are all things that over the upcoming podcasts we're going to have plenty of time to break down to look into, but we kind of just wanted to focus on the 2021-22 season um, in this in this podcast, in this episode. Any any final thoughts, any wrap-up points here for the team for this past season? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I thought we we got to where we wanted to be, second round. We knew the way out of the West was through Colorado, and uh, we didn't get it done. I'm still proud of this team. I'm proud of where we, where we got to, but... Uh, Got to regroup because uh, you know what, Colorado is going nowhere. They're going to be a a, uh, a staple in the Western Conference for years to come. So, anything, got, TJ? No, got to agree with Brandon. There yeah. you go. We'll we'll leave it right there, and we'll go ahead and we'll transition into um, the other St. Louis sport for now. Man, it's crazy that MLS team is. It's not far away. That it's so that, close. That stadium is just about completely finished now. That's going to be fun. Yeah, yeah TJ's jumping for joy. He's <laughs> jolting over here. But we're going to stick with the other professional team in St. Louis. Um, the St. Louis Cardinals. It's funny during Blues playoff time, like it's just you kind of forget that the Cardinals are really like what runs St. Louis. Yeah. And so we're back to it now. And um, for the it feels like for the first time since the season started, we're gonna really get into some deep questions as to um, the Redbirds and 
what we've seen so far, what some things that need to change, keep going in order for them um, to look good and to continue playing well here. The Redbirds are currently 28 and 21, potentially 29 and 21 right now. I'm not sure if they, they got the win today or not. They were winning um, when as we're recording this right now. So 28 and 21 as of now, and eight out of their last 11 have been winners. Plenty of pieces um, to break down in the Cardinals' first 50 games of play. We'll go ahead and we'll start off with some of these uh, um, injured list in issues, which would include Tyler O'Neill and Dylan Carlson, which are both on the IL but could be returning soon potentially. However, you see guys like Juan Yepes, Brendan Donovan, um, who have performed very well when given the chance. On the other end, O'Neill and Carlson had really slow starts to the year. For comparison here real quick, O'Neill a 195 batting average to start the year. 553 OPS is nowhere near where he was last year. Carlson, it seemed like he was starting to figure it out a little bit. The average was up to just under 250. Still a 654 OPS is below league average. On the other hand, you got Juan Yepes, who was batting just below 284 home runs and an OPS right under 800. To give you guys an idea, Nolan Arenado's OPS last year was 805. So, yeah. I mean, he's he's having an equivalent season to Nolan Arenado last year, sure. as of now in this point yeah. of the season. Brendan Donovan, 286 and an 839 OPS and an absolute doubles machine. Um, so you got two guys that coming up, have exceeded expectation, sure. and now you have the question of what happens to them when the big guys return. Brandon, yeah, I, I mean that is that is the question to ask right now. And like you said, you have O'Neill, you have Carlson. O'Neill looks to be a little bit closer to being back. I saw a few things. We're recording this on June first. It looks like he could be, um, you know, making a rehab assignment and double A by this weekend. So that that normally means about a week and a half, two weeks. You'd say Ethan out. Yeah, uh, if and you're I guess a rehab maybe 10 days, yeah, 10 like, days. Yeah. yeah, so, um, yeah, when he does come back, I mean, if if this if this happens last year, right, he's back in as our cleanup hitter. Mm. But as of right now, I mean, you like you said, his struggles at the plate have been um, very worrisome, and even more so since you've had the young guys step in. And I I do think right now this is still O'Neill's left field. I, I do think you plug him back into the lineup. Um, I what does it look like to maybe not have O'Neill hitting cleanup though? You, you you put him in, you know, later in the lineup, fifth or sixth guy. I know he hasn't traditionally he batting, been that he guy. He was batting seventh uh, earlier in the year while he was healthy with the struggles right, as well. Right. Yeah, and it didn't it didn't help any. Mm -hmm. I, I will say that, but I, I I just I can't pull a guy who has been who at, at one point midway through last year was carrying you through late July mm. was carrying you through late July offensively. Um, so th th that's kind of my thought on it right now. Just to give you an idea, so far this season is striking out almost 32% of the yeah. time at the plate. The next nice. highest for the Cardinals is Nolan Gorman, and he has 36 plate appearances so far, and he's still almost a whole tenth of a percentage, or he's at 27% right now, so almost a whole... 10% below. So yeah. um, there's a, there's, there's a big difference or 5% below. Jeez, I can't do math today. Um, but the idea is that he has a much higher stri strikeout percentage than anyone else on this team. Uh, TJ, how about you? No. Yeah. I think offensively we need to find a way to keep Yepes and Gorman in the lineup. It doesn't have to be every week. It could be even just for the sake of DH or whatever it takes. But because I believe that pitching is the weakness of the Cardinals, we have to find a way to put a solid defense behind the pitchers we have. And I think the best way to do that is to keep our all-star outfielders out, out on the field. And so O'Neill is the answer to that. Carlson could be the answer to that. I like that he was figuring it out when he was in, but 
uh, yeah, sadly, sadly he had to get injured. So we don't know where his progress is going to be. Is he going to start over again? Is he going to is he going to hit the road running? But so we don't really know. But hopefully he ends up finding some of that momentum we were talking about earlier. And and, and at the time O'Neill goes down, I mean he is second in the team in walks. He's still sitting right now, even with his time missed at eleven walks. So we're talking about a guy who pitchers were giving him space at the plate. And he was still struggling at the plate. They were mm. respecting him. Last year, Tyler O'Neill burst onto the scene. He becomes the new guy. Pitchers aren't used to him yet. We're talking year number two. Pitchers were respecting him early on. Um, and even, even so, oh, still, he, he still comes out with a 195 batting average, 256 on base percentage, 297 slugging. It, it, it doesn't look good so far. So I'm going to go ahead and I, I, I'm, here's my prediction is once Tyler O'Neill is healthy again, he will go back into his regular spot in left field. Yes, you cannot give up. There's no chance. Sure. And Marmel hasn't thought this. Mosellock hasn't thought this. There's no chance that you give up on Tyler O'Neill at this no. point. I mean, they will ride this. They'll ride this dude out at least for the next uh, couple months. And I, I, I still think he's going to figure it out. Do yeah. I think that he ends up batting 280 with 34 home runs? Probably not at this point. No. Um, but I still think that he can be a very good piece in your lineup. Um, at this point, I still do believe that. So with that being said, left field has mostly been Juan Yepes. I think he goes to the DH position, more of a permanent role there, sure. at least for now. In right field, uh, right now, Brennan Donovan has been their utility guy. I mean, he can play yeah. anywhere in the outfield you need him to. He's mostly been in right field, but he's played left. He can play third. He can play short. He can play second. Yeah. I think he's played first this year he as has. well. He so has. he can play seven of the nine positions. So what I see them doing is once Carlson is healthy, Carlson has proven to be able to have some success in this league so far, more than 20 games, 25 games that Donovan has. So Carlson goes back to right, and I think that we see Donovan more of a, of your actual utility guy, um, kind of like, Kind of like Tommy Edmond yeah. when he got brought up, no, I yeah. think. I think that we see them use him in that way, to where you're able to still give both of them at bats. Of course, I think Donovan's will be look a little bit different, but Donovan's advantage is that because he is able to play multiple positions, he's going to keep playing as a result of yeah. that. I think that O'Neill and Carlson both end up in their normal positions, but that is what I would have to would have to predict happens. The question then is, what do you do with the extra spots? Sure. Guys are on the IL. Sure. That's a whole nother question. Let, let me ask you something though. If it let's, like you said, Donovan reminds me a lot of a Tommy Edmond when he first came into the league. Super utility guy. We're seeing that role. I mean, just be very, very, very um, valuable in today's game. What what does it look like? Does this put pressure on a center fielder like Bader? I know he's hitting. I know he's hitting the ball. I know he's coming around well rounded. Is there a circumstance where later in the year Bader begins to struggle? Can you see a Carlson slide over to center field and Donovan go into right? Is would, that is Bader is, would have to struggle a lot because Carlson's not outperforming Bader. Bader's outperforming I, I, I Carlson. Agree. I agree. Harrison Bader at this point in the season, I believe, is averages right above two fifty five. Yeah. Um, so he's finding a way to get and, and I've always said if if Bader can find a way to be a average hitter, right now the league average is in the two thirties. So yeah. he's an above average hitter yeah. right now, um, by league average. If he's able to continue being in that range, sure. his defense is so good in center field that that's all you need him to do. Cause he because he bats in the eight nine yeah. spot, you know? Right. So I don't see that happening. Okay. Something I mean, he would have to fall off bad. Matt Carpenter fall off bad in yeah. order for um him to get yanked so you're from saying the lineup. He needs to go play opinion. for the Yankees or oh, hey. We don't want to talk about no. that right now. All right. All right. Um, 
No, yeah, just to add on top of that, the younger the player is, the more streaky and inconsistent they end up becoming. And so agree. you look for reliability in these players. So we don't know what's going to happen later in the season, but we do know for now the guys yeah. that are, are standouts are going to stay, and the people who aren't, there's going to be yeah. there's going to be room for movement. So. Yeah. Your thoughts? And I think something interesting, as we mentioned, you know, Yep has having the success, Donovan having the success that they've had early in the year. And then you look, it's like, when you look at the Cardinals, you don't think of them as a top five hitting team in the league right now. Well, boys, that's kind of what you can make an argument for where they are right now. The Cardinals... OPS has dropped a little bit in the recent days. They're now 10th, but just a couple of days ago, this was a top five OPS team in the league. Their team batting average is currently fifth in baseball. And you look at it, and before this little stretch of winning eight out of 11, which, I mean, four of those were against the Pirates, obviously, they've played very well against San Diego. But before that, you could argue that a lot of their wins were against bad teams. You're thinking, where is this? You look on, on paper, and the numbers look great. And then you look at the the records, like where's the where's the correlation? Because there isn't one. The problem is in lack of consistency in the offense, and you can see this in in the in the scores of games th- this season so far. Um, it's a very interesting stat, though. Sure. It's it's funny because most of the time, cor- there is correlation between the success and the record. In this case, there really isn't for the Cardinals. Yeah, that's going to happen, though, when the lineup changes this much so early in the season. Think about the injuries. Think about what happened to DeYoung, you know, being sent down. I mean, think about O'Neal, Carlson. You have got, at, at one point, I mean, last week, you have a lineup that's almost unrecognizable compared to what your opening day lineup was. That When you have this many young guys coming up, playing the way they are, and, and some of the veterans that are struggling the way they are, there's going to be inconsistencies because – um, I mean, you look at the New York Yankees for the past three weeks, there has been two players come out of that lineup. Now, I, I, I know they're one of the they're top in the league right now. The Yankees I, red hot, red hot. I, I, I understand. And I'm not trying to compare the two. But what I am saying is you're going to see consistency in an offense when you see consistency in the lineup. Yeah. Not to mention, you'd rather have the inconsistencies come up earlier in the year rather than later in October when it's crunch time. Yeah, absolutely. Good points to be made. Just something that I think is really curious that you look at this going into the year. We we knew there was potential for this team um, to have a lot of offensive success. But when you look at the record before the last three wins and their four games above 500 to start off the year, they're four back of the Brewers. TJ's saying, I told you so. We'll get into that more hey, in just a I minute. I didn't say nothing. Um, but but they don't look like a top five team, which is what a lot of the offensive yeah. categories are showing. Yeah. So it's just it's something interesting to keep an eye on as the season continues. Now, TJ, you get your chance to say I told you so because we're gonna now oh, go boy. into some of the uh, some of the issues that the rotation has had so far this season. The Cardinals currently have had five pitchers spend time on the injured list this year, including Jack Flaherty, of course, Drew Verhagen at the beginning of the year, Adam Wainwright with the COVID stuff, uh, Steven Matz now, and Jordan Hicks as well. The Cardinals have had seven different pitchers start games this season. Despite that, 
their stats have been relatively middle of the road in the league this season. So, TJ, here's your chance to tell us I told you so. Go I, ahead. I, I told you guys so for the beginning. But, again, my prediction is the Cardinals would eventually go through the wild card round, win the World Series. That would be ideal. That would be super cool. Wait, that was your prediction? That was my prediction. You had the Cardinals win the World Series? I didn't say it on here, but, yeah, oh. that's my prediction. Oh, then it doesn't count. Oh, my bad. Even right. now when I'm saying it doesn't count. Exit. That's correct. Um, the Wainwright, the Wainwright injury is definitely an outlier. COVID does not mean anything to do with like father time. Has he still missed two starts because of it though. Yeah. But I mean, like, I don't, know. I don't see it as that big of a deal. The other guys are a bigger problem for me, but yeah. In short, I told you so. I, <laughs> I, I think I get your point though. The, the reason that it's not as big of a deal is because of Wayno's 200 innings pitch last year. I mean, yes. I, I mean, I, I understand that there's more leeway for a guy like Michaelis, who's just, uh, just struggling. I mean, and and at least in the fa- yeah, in last co- in last two starts. in the last two starts. Okay, yeah, in the okay. last two right, starts right, he struggled right. absolutely. I was gonna say, yes, I I would agree with I that. I was gonna but, say. Uh, <laughs> I thought we were talking <laughs> about the season as a whole. I was like, this man okay. has been Th- our best first. pitcher this season. But season as a whole, season as a whole, we're looking at Mats and Hicks and Hudson. I I get that. What I meant. And, I was thinking more in this previous week. I, get I apologize. Saying. I get it. it's okay. If for those of you that didn't see, Ethan about jumped out of his chair and well, scolded well, me. Well, so honestly, his ERA is two point six seven, and that's with two very bad starts in his last. That's year. true. That's true. Plus, I honestly don't think that the injury is that bad, especially for an older pitcher like Wayno. Like it kind of gives him pseudo rest. Oh yeah, I think more so the issue I have with it, or is not necessarily like you said. Yes, Wayno's gonna be fine. It was COVID. He, He sits his 10 days, and then he's back to it. Mm. The issue more so is how much stress it is putting on the remainder of the rotation, the bullpen as a result, because you're not getting nearly as many innings. Like you said, Adam Wainwright, he'll give you 200 innings this year. Him and Michaelis have given both 60 innings this season. So you're not concerned, at least for now, about those two, even with— yeah, never go mind. For that's no, tough. go no, ahead. That's no, tough no. For a different went I mean, Michael. I mean, I am concerned after two bad starts for Michaelis because he has been a streaky pitcher since he's come back from a, from to the MLB from Japan. He's been a streaky pitcher. I understand he's still at two point six seven with two bad starts. I understand there could be people out there going, "Why are we even wasting our breath on Michaelis?" But I, I will say, as a fan, I am a little nervous after a couple bad starts, and with our strength of schedule not being that great in the beginning of the year. I, I am still concerned about it. Wayno, not so much. Yeah, I could be totally wrong. You know, two months from now, Michaelis still could be top of the rotation guy, staying consistent. But it is one of those things. You look, as the season continues on, this is an area where there's been a lot of frustration about Ali Marmel not using Ryan Helsley at proper times. Yeah. He's been using Gallegos a lot. He's been using Genesis Cabrera a lot. Well, the, I think a reason that he's not using Helsley a lot is because, one, he's coming off of a – he didn't play at all in no. 2021, no, did he? Not at all. You have to you have to figure out that well, if you keep throwing these guys out here, which are they're great relievers, but if you keep sure. throwing them out here as much as you did, they're going to go kaput on you like they did last year. Gallegos was not great to end the 21 season. Yeah. Reyes fell apart in the second half and we all know well, how and, the wild card game went. And, and you don't think Re- Reyes is not coming back. No. He's he's, he's not no coming way. back he this gone. year either. Yeah. There's, so but but (laughs) but the concern is right is if you're not getting enough from the bullpen may be holding its own right now and they are i've been very impressed with what the bullpen has done this year but when the when if they're holding their own now what happens with if this just continues on and on and on where you're getting i don't know what the average amount of innings pitched you're getting right now from a starter is from the redbirds but like i said the only i mean you could do the math real quick 
if Miles Michaelis and Adam Wainwright are the only ones that are getting uh, have thrown 60 innings this year, game started is 10. They're averaging both six, six innings, innings per yeah. outing. Everyone else, the numbers aren't good. Matt's is at 37 innings. Or yeah, thirty-seven innings and nine games started. That's it's not a good number, and it just keeps going down from there. I guess Hudson's at fifty, but the point is, is there's not enough, there's not enough innings that are being thrown by the starting rotation. And my concern is, when does that start to have an effect of just weariness and overstress sure. on some of these arms in the bullpen? And the trend of baseball is, you know, you have your starter in there less, and what we actually need to have our starters is more. And that's the problem is we have a Dakota Hudson who would rather, uh, I don't, I guess I shouldn't say rather, but I'm not sure if he's fully capable yet of taking the full standard of what a starting pitcher needs to take in the MLB. Hey, he's holding his own right now. The, the crazy part about Dakota Hudson, that's an interesting one, is because his numbers, once again, the numbers look real. Everything looks really good sure, besides the yeah. walk number. His ERA is sub three right now. I mean, in 2019, his ERA was sub 2.5, but he walks so many batters is his issue. 23. Walk it like a dog. Is the number I'm looking at oh right my. now. Can you imagine if he was able to just, I mean, even if he threw, I don't know, if he threw even 10% more strikes a game, I mean, how that would help him improve as a pitcher. Sure. Just, well, I mean, you got to throw strikes. And also, I, here, I'll say this. I mean, Wayno's only four walks behind him, but Wayno has 48 Ks on the year. Mm-hmm. It's different when you're, when you're throwing some Ks. Yeah. Hudson has 25 strikeouts. He's got two more strikeouts than he does walks. Yeah. It's different when you're pitching for contact rather than pitching for strikeouts. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's Michaelis. He's he's a contact pitcher. The ball is more likely to be put in play, therefore, for guys to get on base. That's why it's important we put our best defensive guys out there, which can hurt our offense, and so it's a whole thing. It kind of sounds like you're describing Steven Matz's season. I mean, bringing him in, we were thinking, man, he looks a lot similar to a Michaelis 2.0-esque pitcher where he's putting, you know, he's He's pitching to contact, and, uh, man, he I know he's hurt right now. Are you concerned about his start? Absolutely I am. Yeah, I, I absolutely think I am. Um, I mean, Is it panic mode yet for Steven? No, Mets? it's not panic mode, but think about it. Matt's did come from a – he came from a different ballpark. Yep. He came from that Toronto ballpark where – I mean, big, huge ballpark. It's not a hitter, it's not a hitter's ballpark. Neither is St. Louis. Yeah. Uh, okay. I, I guess so. That's, I guess that's so. an argument. Like, it doesn't, no, doesn't seem so. like it. it St. Louis, I mean – if you I, I look at the perspective right. of all 30 ballparks, there's no way that you're arguing that St. Louis is a hitter's a ballpark. 603 ERA. Yeah, though? but if you here's here's my thing with with Mats is I'm not obviously the start of the year has been bad, but if you look at start by start, it's mostly been ruined by three starts. He had th- he's had really three bad starts this season. And if you out of how many so far? Out of 9. 9. So, what I am what I see is a guy that in six of his nine has been, now I'm not saying you can be, okay, every, six of your every nine, you can't consistently be like this, heck no. But what I am saying is, okay, in his nine, first nine starts, six of them, I think he has looked extremely sharp, and I've liked what I've seen. One of them, he was coming back the night before from being on the bereavement list, um, and the, the, first, the other one was the, his first start of the season. So I'm not trying to get make excuses out of those, but I'm just saying that, I think that Steven Matz is going to figure it out. Yeah. I think he's going to figure it out to where he can be a three, and a four when Jack Flaherty returns. Yeah, I, I can agree with that. Do you think that? Do you think actually this time on the IL is going to help him? A guy like him? 
I mean, you would. I, that's a Let's good question. Be optimistic. That's 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 a good that's a good question because you could look at it as a t- okay. Well, what would what did he do in his last start? His last start was against Pittsburgh, and he didn't do anything. But the one before that, he went five innings, allowed two earned runs against the one of the best offenses in the league in the New yeah. York Mets, and struck out seven. So that's a fine start. Would I like him to throw another inning or two? Sure, absolutely. Absolutely. That's kind of the argument we've been making. Sure. But and then before that, six and two thirds, three earned runs, seven strikeouts on seven hits. That's an okay start. I, yeah. So overall, I think that the idea is: does it help him? It's fifty fifty. Sure. I mean, like, I mean, we were asking. You could ask that about, about anyone. Yeah, I think it's right. more likely to help O'Neill because of the struggles he was having going in. Um, I don't know if if Stephen Matz is looking at his start to the season and saying like, this is tough to say. I don't know if he is saying that, Ugh, this is the, this is absolutely terrible. I think there's still sure. positive things to take away. Yeah. The six, I think in the same way that a lot of the Cardinal stats on the positive are like kind of faulty, they don't really match up. I think I would kind of agree with his ERA right now and saying like, I don't think that reflects how his season as a whole has been. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. I would. I, I could agree with that. There's a lot of that. different arguments to make on that, though. There really is. I mean, you. I mean, it's f- completely fair to say it's unacceptable because it is unacceptable. Um, but I, th- I'm relatively positive that he's going to figure that out. Sure. Man, we found we covered a lot in a few minutes here. We sure did, and we agreed on something. We did. Uh-oh. Can we no. shake hands? Uh-oh. No. Okay. It, they're shaking hands right now. No, we're not. Ouch. Don't let him believe you. A little bit hurt. He didn't shake my hand back. Okay, let's go ahead and get into our National 9 talk. TJ, you ready? Yeah. Take it away. All right, guys. So first up on National 9. The NBA Finals is coming up. Steph Curry and the Warriors are taking on Jason Tatum and the Celtics. Uh, first off, Celt- the Celtics have three less days of rest than the Warriors. Does that make a difference in the matchup to you guys? Mm, I I think it does. I think in this series it absolutely does, and especially the style of play that Golden State has. I think I think there are definitely a there. If you were to look at all the NBA teams as far as pace of play, sure. they're they're up there. Sure. Um, they they can definitely stretch out the floor. What what players do you guys think are actually the most impactful, make or break for this series? Well, in a, in a series like this, your stars have to come out and yep. perform, and I think that's pretty clear. So I think that one thing that could lead to a heavy advantage for the Warriors in this is they've been here before. They're still built off of the the same um, core group that got it had, that got it done in in the midst of this dynasty in the early years of this dynasty. So yes, Steph Curry and um, this might be a basic answer, but oh, Steph Curry yeah. and Clay Thompson are going to have to be your yeah. guys. If you look at how they shoot, the reason that they are at this point is because of those two right there. Mm-hmm. So if your stars aren't performing, then I, at least, especially on Golden State side, it has to come down to those two. TJ, you talked about the Clay Thompson and uh, Jalen Brown matchup too. Mm-hmm. Uh, to yep. me, that's crucial. Oh, that, that wins the series. I think if Jalen Brown can can step with with Clay, I, I think the Celtics can make this series go to six or seven. I'm actually thinking like so. Steph and the Warriors play this new age basketball, very similar to the Avalanche in hockey, very yeah. high scoring, and if the if the Warriors can rebound and out rebound and out defend the Celtics, they win the series. Yeah. Um, NHL Conference Finals. Holy jumping! Holy There's smokes! It was a barn burner. Yeah. I mean, I'm just gonna let you guys talk about it. Yeah. What do you guys even want to? I mean, 25 goals a game. No, I'm just kidding. So if you guys didn't see Game One of the Western You're Conference Finals, the Avalanche won eight to six. That is that is some pond hockey. It was Darcy like three Kemper to four who in the first it was. Oh my gosh! And Dar- Darcy Kemper hurt. 
goes down in game one, That's lower body mean. injury. I, I, I tell you what, I mean, that is interesting. A, a team like Edmonton, that, that if, if they're going to play a, a high-scoring series, a team like Edmonton is a team that can keep up with them. Sure. I don't think they will beat them, but I do think they can keep up with them. It's going to save the space. What goalies do you guys think have the best option of holding their own in the Western Conference games? I mean, there's not good options. <laughs> That's <laughs> the thing is I don't – I think it's going to come Smith. down less. Forty-year-old Mike Smith for I the Oilers. I think it's going to come Hold down. <laughs> I think it's going to come down less to goalie play and more so like just who takes advantage of the lack of goalie play. I, yeah, I, absolutely. And I also think Does that makes sense. Yeah. The, okay. Yeah, Colorado is going to going to win this series based on the speed of their defensemen. Mm. That's going to change the series. Goaltending, you're you're. I mean, yes, you're you like Darcy Kemper, but Kemper goes down. Who knows how long he's going to be out in this round. Uh, and you're how's looking, it feel, Colorado? I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is nice. But you, seriously, forward wise, they match up well. Genuinely, they, they match up well. Colorado has more depth. Defensively, de- Colorado has the speed. Yeah, they lose Gerard to the to the Brody even, Sternum, but, but even without him, they they still have. I mean, the speed. Gerard had a down year. Yeah, he I really know. did. And Absolutely. they were, and the fact that that defense was still that lethal. Kale McCarr and Devon. Kale McCarr and Devon Taves is yep. the best. Defensive line in hockey. Yeah, right now, yeah, absolutely. And, sure. and it wouldn't surprise me if Kale McCarr absolutely sure. goes off. And, and that, that's going to make the difference in the series. Do you guys see the East? Any team from the East winning the Cup this year? Yeah, Tam- I still could see Tampa Bay yeah. winning it. Yeah, Tampa Bay could three-peat. I, I don't want it to happen, but they, they absolutely could. I think I think New York is a young team that has relied a lot on their goaltender, Igor Shoskert. What a, what a yeah, beast. <laughs> I, stud. But I do think they're a young team that is – I don't think the Eastern Conference Finals is going to be too long of a series. I think Tampa Bay's experience is going to roll through them. Who would you rather have oh, no. win the Cup? Tampa Bay, three-peating. I know you aren't a fan oh, of Tampa don't Bay. don't do this. Or the Avalanche. You're a jerk. <laughs> That's actually my prediction of what's going to end up happening. You're a jerk. I, I'd want the Avalanche. Uh, what? Uh, Avalanche, yes. They're I, the more exciting team. They're the more exciting team. Tampa, no. I oh, I don't like it. If I'm going to lose, I want to lose to the winner. That's a fair argument. That's a fair argument. I'm still, I'm still, my I, I, team's Tampa now. A three P would be cool though. You, you haven't seen it since the New York Islanders back in the eighties. Well, especially you guys said earlier, there was an asterisk years that they didn't count because. But, but I think that winning in a full season now is it the equivalent of a three P? No, it's still not. But it earns respect that Tampa respect. didn't have before. I think it does. Yeah. If you're able to, you, it's. I don't see an asterisk on their name on the Stanley Cup. No, I don't either. Okay. But well, so I, I, mean, I, I was putting, I was putting your guys' words. In there isn't know. one on. <laughs> there <laughs> isn't one on the Houston Astros in 2016. Oh. But I mean, we don't have nine minutes for this one. Or the one. Patriots from a while back. Um, uh, next. Okay. Yeah, so uh, Nick Saban, Jimbo Fisher. Blake NIL. <laughs> NIL. Like, Woo! Oh, boy. That was heated. Yeah, yeah. yeah dude. So football. Two old dudes showdown. Holy is, is, is NIL ruining college sports? It's on. It has the potential beyond it to be on its way. I, it's going to ruin the NCAA's organization. Yes, good, that's a that's guarantee. A good differentiation. That's a guarantee. It's not going to ruin college sports. It's going to ruin the NCAA because I, I've told you guys this off air. Yep. It, there is not going to be a need for the NCAA because the ads are already seeing that they honestly can can run it themselves with the commissioner themselves. For sure. No. Yeah. It'd be like its own little NFL or look professional lacrosse, whatever it is, whatever sport it is. It's a little bit, it's, it is concerning though to see. And here's, here's, I think is the funny thing. What a reality is, TV show though between these two. <laughs> holy moly. No kidding. I mean, I, and we talked about this. We, yeah. I, we loved what Saban came out and said, cause he called out the wrong 
And I didn't necessarily. Did we all say that, or did you we, and I both said that? We, did we, we not? That we respect. Yes. We agreed that Saban called out what was wrong with it. Not saying Wait, that you he didn't like something that Saban said. <laughs> I'm confused. Wait a minute. Uh, the Bama you fan. Finish what you're saying. <laughs> Y'all done? Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah Are you? <laughs> did you have anything? Yeah. No. My point was is that I felt that it was a little bit diva. You know, mm. Fisher goes goes after in quotations what Jesus of college yeah. football or God of God. college football. And but then Saban comes back and says that he didn't say anything, that they did anything wrong. And it's like a why are you taking back the truth yeah. that you said? Yeah, you don't have to overcorrect. I don't understand it. No. <laughs> you I don't can, understand it. You can so, stand your ground and say this is the way it works now. And, and of all people, Nick Saban. Yeah, that I don't. He doesn't know. have to go back on anything he says. He he kind of he kind of seemed like he. I mean, to a certain extent, was in his last press conference a little bit. It, it, those, it did. For it those did of you who haven't seen it, go go to YouTube, look it up. It's definitely worth investigating. It has been a whole drama scene. It has. It has. Ethan Ethan's uh, real hype about the new uh, new City Connect uniforms, but specifically, he's not a fan. I'm hype about it. of oh. Colorado's. Uniforms, if I'm correct. Hype right? about the topic of it, yeah, but not hype about what the I love the Rockies. I do ones. too. I'm a huge fan. <laughs> I do too. Mountains and peaks, baby. Dude. Okay. Have you ever seen a green mountain in your life? Huh? Uh, I have now. <laughs> <laughs> Let, let's let's paint a picture for what these look like, can we? So Just they're they're dark green jerseys. At the top, they are white, and then they have the mountains right above a white Colorado on the chest. They look like they're sponsored by Scott's Turf Builder. <laughs> John Deere. <laughs> I love the hats. I think the hats are really cool looking. But I don't understand why you go with dark green and why that fits. Why that fits. I don't know. The it. Rockies have kind of kind of eh, colors in their scheme. I mean, Purple I, and black? Yeah, it's kind of dark. I don't know. It's not. It's, why does green fit with it? You're, uh, not, you're not exactly going to be wowing people. If you go All I'm saying colors. is ESPN ranked them as the best as the best uh, City Connect jersey, and I think oh, that's, that's a little I think that's blasphemy. That's a little I bunch. like it. I, I like it. I just don't like it the most. Spoken by a true traditional baseball fan. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Last thing we have Matt Carpenter. He moved to the Yankees. Uh, so, yeah, signed by the Yankees. That's that, crazy. That uh. Jerk. <laughs> <laughs> he hits a bomb in his second at bat. Okay, he was released. To Louis, he was released really. by Texas after having. No, 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 no. The AAA team of the Texas Rangers. Okay, it's still Texas. But Five he had. A, here's the crazy part: is he has a 992 OPS <laughs> with the Rangers AAA team. He gets dropped by them. Second game with New York. Dingers, dinger shot. Uh, he's still batting. Galore. He's still batting 154 with New York. Stripes. Yikes. Classic. That was a that's, wild that's national all we, nine. That's all we got, guys. That was a wild national it. nine. It was nice to be back, guys. Yeah. I missed it. Welcome. Dylan Hample, you did a great job, but I like this seat. <laughs> hey, shout out, those social me- shout out those social media pages. Yeah, dude, we got uh, the Loose Sports Talk on... Uh, underscore. Underscore. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, to our Social media. Sorry, man. <laughs> We're not on social I'm media. I'm fired. <laughs> D- give Dylan Hample a call back. Um, yeah. Canical injury. Did you give them both a shout out? Yeah. Oh, well, that's the end of it, isn't then? Isn't it then? Yeah, it is. All right. Well, guys, thanks so much for tuning into this one today. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. See you soon. Yeah, buddy. Peace out.